part of the uh, lead up to this week, um, obviously the call did come um, late, and I was kind of like, um, well, maybe I could do that for you. <laughs> and um, because the expository teaching, the teaching of verse by verse and explaining the Bible, it, it, it is a it is a, a, a good task, right? And, and I know that Aaron puts a lot into it, um, and that's what I believe is the best course. That's one of the reasons why I attend this church is the fact that it uh, it follows expository teaching, and so um, that's one of the things. But in the in the so with that call, I was like, Aaron says, well, you could preach Ephesians one through five, one through fourteen, and you know, and that probably would have been the easy route. Um, but that's not what I chose. Um, this week, for my employer, I went through a training, a mandatory training called unconscious bias training, and. Unconscious bias is, it, it addresses uh, the things that you, uh, you have a preference for or against something, and um, someone or something. And so there's conscious bias, such as, I like tacos. We know that Aaron has revealed he's not crazy about In-N-Out burgers, okay? So those are conscious biases, and so he, and so this, you know, they, we all have them, and that's part of what this training was. But it went further um, down this insidious slope of talking about the unconscious bias, and basically the uh, the outcome of what the goal of this training was was basically to attack. All religious thought is that basically all religious thought is really unconscious. It's either conscious or unconscious bias. It's all bias, basically. And therefore, basically, it should be rejected. And so basically, the First Amendment to the Constitution of the United States is pretty much should be rejected for the, the, the freedom of religion. And so, uh, and I'm so I'm I'm going through this training, which I had to complete for my employer. And I and I'm asking myself, well, wow, what is the what is the biblical response to this? In other words, that basically everything that you believe as a Christian is biased, and we will discount it, and we will not hear it. And I was like, "Wow, that's that's it's pretty. That's a pretty significant thing. So how do, uh, how do it? How what is the biblical response to a presentation like this?" And so it got to got to me thinking. And so this this is why we have landed where we have landed is looking at the scriptures. Um, as Aaron preaches next week, presumably, <laughs> uh, we thought that last week. Um, Ephesians 5, 1 through 14. He's going to be going through that, and we're going to be asked. Um, it's that that section is full of imperatives, right? It's full of things to do and not to do, right? It's full of commands. 
And so we, if we ask ourselves, what is the compelling reason for you to take that passage to heart? What is the compelling reason for you to take that passage to heart? It should be that God, because God has revealed Himself, we ought to listen to Him. Because God has revealed Himself, we ought to listen to Him. We will take that passage to heart because we know that God has spoken it. Okay? It is the words of God. On November 20th of last year, Aaron was expositing Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17 through 24. And the notes I took was him telling us that the application of this section relies on the theology of the first three chapters. So six chapters in Ephesians, as you know. And so uh, the first three are more or less a theological presentation. And then the last three are the how do you walk it out? How do you walk out this theology, right? And so that's what Aaron, that's what I, that was my note I wrote down, um, was that, uh, that we, that was him telling us that the application of this section relies on the theology. So what was said before is what drives what comes after. Last week, January 8th, 2023, referring to the last three chapters of Ephesians, Aaron said it more succinctly to us when he said, the application flows from the theology. The application flows from the theology. So because of what the theology of the first three chapters says, what God said then we are required to be responsive to the last three chapters, right? The application, the response comes from knowing what God said. Because of what God has revealed, we are required to be responsive to it. So how has God revealed Himself? First, it's through His creation. This is general or natural revelation. Let's look at Romans 1. 18 through 21. Romans 1, 18. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So, they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish, foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal men and birds and animals and creeping things. So because of God's general or natural revelation, mankind is without excuse for knowing God exists. Right. So the creation, that's the testimony of the creation, is to tell every human 
that God exists, right? They are without excuse, right? That's what Paul is writing there. He says, you, mankind is without excuse. And so that is general revelation. It's generally revealed to all humans that God exists. Okay? That's natural revelation. You look at the natural thing. You see the order. You see the, uh, the way things that is structured. You, the, it leads you to conclude that God exists. Now, atheists are befuddled that kindergartners know this. In fact, they're trying to drive their ministry, their, their work towards them, <laughs> towards kindergartners. So how, how do kindergartners basically are rejecting the, the uh, evolutionist point of view, right? And so they ask themselves, well, why is that? Well, well the kindergartner lives, gets up, and, and starts their day in a house that is made. They get in a vehicle and they go to the school in a vehicle that is made. They arrive at a school that is made. They see all of these things and the kindergartner, it's not rocket science. I must be made. So the kindergartners automatically are rejecting the fact of creation, of, of uh, evolution in the fact that just intuitively they know this is an ordered world. Things are made. I must be made, right? And so that it it's a, it befuddles the atheist to know why this is. But it's because God has revealed it, right? He has revealed Himself. But the problem with general or natural revelation is that it provides no. You can go to the Grand Canyon and without special revelation, without further knowledge, it doesn't in itself provide you with hope. Right? So general natural revelation provides no hope. So therefore, God has given us specific revelation. That is, God has revealed Himself to us. This can be in subtle ways. Subtle ways that God has revealed His character. Such as, as after Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, God kept the dialogue open. How often is it that we as humans in our human natures, when, we, when somebody has offended us, we're, we keep them at arm's length and we don't even want to talk to them. Right? The fact that God kept talking to Adam and Eve after they sinned reveals this, something specific about God's character. So God, in the, in the fall account, He's revealing to us, when we read it in the Bible, we're re, He's revealing to us that His loving character, that He has mercy and compassion when we have sinned. Right? So He's revealed that to us. That's a specific revelation. The, uh, one of the things is that we, I want to make a statement that we only know what we know because God has shown us to us. 
Look over, if you're in Romans, turn over to chapter 11. I'm picking up in verse 33. Romans chapter 11, verse 33. Paul writes, Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are His judgments and how inscrutable His ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been His counselor? Or who has given a gift to Him that He might be repaid? For from Him and through Him and to Him are all things. To Him be glory forever. Amen. So Paul is quoting, those two quotes are taken from Isaiah 40.13 and Job 41.11. And so those things that God has revealed, when God spoke to Job, you read all the way through Job and you finally get to verse 38, chapter 38, and God speaks. 38 chapters of mankind going on and on about what they think they know. Until they get to the 38th chapter and God speaks from the whirlwind. God speaks to Job. Okay? So the things that we know, we know because God has shown it. And so you read through that rest of it, and it's so it's it's God addressing Job. And he's he's asking Job, you know, are you the one? You know, were you the one that who's given a gift to me that I might that that uh, that he that you might be repaid? Was that you, Job? And so, God is showing, He's revealing His character. Right, the things that we know, we know even evil. Right, the things that we know, we know because God has shown us. God has shown us what evil is. Right, He has shown us what the answer. To evil is right. So everything that we know is from, to, and through Him. All things, right? So everything that we know, we know because God has revealed it, right? And so this is a a, a premise that I want to take that basically overarches all of the Bible. Well, mostly God has revealed Himself in grand and open displays. Consider Noah. Right? That God was wanting to start over and remake the world and flood it and reshape it and save it through eight people that He would put on a boat that God instructed Noah to make. I've already mentioned Job. What about Abram? God revealing Abram, to you I will make, out of you I will make a great nation. Right? God is revealing His will. Right? He's revealing what He wants to do through Abram. And we read about Abram, various attempts to help God out. God said, no, <laughs> I know how I'm going to do it. Right? And God reveals Himself through that. What about through Jonah? 
God says, I want you to go. I want you to go take my word to the Ninevites that they might know about me. They might be revealed about me. Jonah goes and hides, right? And God doesn't, God is not off in the distance, right? He's there with the fish, right? Says, oh, <laughs> you thought you were escaping, right? But I've got an answer for you, Job, right? And so the, and so Job is God revealing his specific will, right? What about Daniel? What about Mary and Joseph? I says, Mary, I've got something I need you to do. And what does she say? Let it be done unto me as you will. Right? God had a will for Mary, right? What about Joseph? He says, oh, Mary! Well, there's something about you. I don't know about this, right? God says, no, Joseph. I'm revealing my will that I want you to embrace Mary. I want you to take her on. I want you to take him. And I want you to raise this family as they were your own, right? I'm revealing my will to you, Joseph. That I am a God of grace. I'm a God of provision. I'm a God of blessing. I'm a God of wrath. Can't help me to know that to think that as they experienced what Herod did in the province of Judea because Jesus was born, that wasn't an aspect of wrath. Right? It wasn't God's wrath, but God has wrath. Everything that we know that about is we know because God has shown it. If we turn back to uh, Deuteronomy chapter 4, so Deuteronomy is the second giving of the law, and it's the sunset of, of Moses' career. That was one of the other uh, elements of revelation that I uh, had listed was Moses, the burning bush, how God revealed his will to Moses through a supernatural mode. But in, in Deuteronomy uh, chapter 4, picking up in verse 7, so Moses is, is, is uh, well, he starts out in verse 1. He says, And now, O Israel, listen to the statutes and the rules that I am teaching you, and do them that you may live, and go, into the, go in and take possession of the land that the Lord, the God of your fathers, is giving to you. Right? So drop down to verse 7. For what great nation is there that has a God so near as, to the, Lord, as the Lord our God is to us? That's quite a statement, right? God is revealing that He is a God that wants to be near. He wants to be relational, right? He wants to be 
intimately related to His people. And what great nation is there that has statutes and rules so righteous as all this law that I set before you today? Only take care and keep your soul diligently lest you forget the things that your eyes have seen and lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life. Make them known to your children and to your children's children. Hmm. I've revealed to you. Now you reveal to the others and they reveal to the others. Right? I've revealed that you might know. Verse 10, how on the day that you stood before the Lord, so tell this story in other words, how on the day you stood before the Lord your God at Horeb, the Lord said to me, gather the people to me that I may let them hear my words so that they may learn to fear me all the days that they live on the earth and that they may teach their children so. And you came, and you came near and stood at the foot of the mountain while the mountain burned with fire to the heart of heaven, wrapped in darkness, cloud, and gloom. Then, the Lord spoke to you out of the midst of the fire. You heard the sound of words, but saw no form. There was only a voice. And He declared to you His covenant, which He commanded you to perform. That is, the Ten Commandments. And he wrote them on two tablets of stone. And the Lord commanded me at that time to teach you statutes and rules that you might do them in the land you are going over to possess. The Lord didn't keep quiet, right? He says, I've drawn His people and I, what, what do they need to know? I am going to tell them what they need to know. And He spoke, right? He revealed His will to them. He spoke His words in the audible form that they could see it, right? They could see the, they could see the fire, right? And they could hear the words coming from the heavens, right? Through the fire. And so... We see that God's in the midst of the fire speaking and revealing Himself to them. Right? And if you drop down to verse 32 of that same chapter. For ask now of the days that are past, which were before you since the day that God created man on the earth, and ask from one end of heaven to the other, whether such a great thing as this has ever happened or was ever heard of. Did any people ever hear the voice of God speaking out of the midst of the fire as you have heard and still live? Or has any God ever attempted to go and make a nation for Himself in the midst of another nation by trials, by signs, by wonders, and by war. By a mighty hand and an outstretched arm and great deeds of terror, all of which the Lord your God did for you in Egypt before your eyes. It was shown to, it was, 
to you it was shown that you might know that the Lord is God. There is no other besides Him. Out of heaven He let you hear His voice that He might discipline you. And on the earth He let you see His great fire and you heard His words out of the midst of the fire. And because He loved your fathers and chose their offspring after them and brought you out of Egypt with His own presence by His great power, driving out before you nations greater and mightier than yourselves to bring you in to give you their land for an inheritance as it is this day. Know therefore today and lay it to your heart that the Lord is God in heaven above and on the earth beneath there is no other. God revealing Himself to the Israelites. Has any other people heard the voice of God and lived? Right? This was the first, right? If from them. Usually, when, when you read Exodus, I think it's 33, when God says, okay, Moses, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you see a little glimpse of me I'm going to reveal a little bit of something from you. But you can't see me face on, Moses. You can only see me from the back. I'm going to put my hand, I'm going to put you in the cleft of the rock, the crack in the rock. And I'm going to put my hand over you, and I'm going to walk by, and when I pass by, I'm going to let you see a little bit of my back, right? I'm going to see it just to let you see a little bit of my glory, right? Because if you saw me face to face, Moses, it would extinguish your breath. And so God is revealing Himself to His people, right? He says, you want to see My glory? You can't see My glory, right? I'll let you see a little bit of it. I'll give you a little bit because you're My people and I'm your God. I'll give you a little glimpse of who I am. That's what we have when we have the cover to cover of this Bible. Bible is the Bible history is the story of God's revelation. So if God has spoken, everything has changed. Remember natural revelation. It leaves without hope, right? We see, oh, there, well, there is a God. We, we see that, right? And, and we're responsible to know that. We, we're without excuse. But if God has spoken, everything has changed. If God has spoken, we do know. We must know. If God has spoken, we know that He's spoken. We must know that He's spoken. Right? It's the highest knowledge any human ear can hear. Is that God has spoken. If He has spoken, we know only by mercy. I just described the merciful act of God, right? Saying, well, I'll let you, I'll let you have a little bit of that, right? I'll let you, I'll, I'll, I'll catch you up on a little bit of, of what you can't have, right? I'll let you have a small glimpse into who I am because you can't take me full on. It was God's willful disclosure. God has spoken, 
It is his willful disclosure, right? That's what Aaron is saying about the first three chapters of Ephesians. If God has spoken and the theology is there, it's God's willful disclosure. I'm willingly opening the door and telling you the words, right? If God has spoken, we too must speak. I mentioned this when I opened up, right? We cannot be silent about what he has said. God has spoken. We have a responsibility to tell it. Right? We must speak. We cannot be silent about what He has said. If God has spoken, then it's all about God. And it's all for our good. Don't take away or add to the Scriptures. If God has spoken, it's all about Him. He's given us everything we need to know, right? And we would be careful to not add or take away. Especially there in Deuteronomy 4, when you see that He has spoke from the fire and yet you live, right? And so, don't take away from the words that I have spoken and don't add to them. If God has spoken, it is for our redemption. Natural revelation tells people that God is, but specific revelation, when God speaks, it is redemption. God wants you to redeem you from where you're at with the knowledge that He is giving you, right? to the knowledge of where He wants you to be. He wants you to be redeemed, right? He wants mankind to be redeemed. If He has spoken, it is for our redemption. If God has spoken, we must obey. His words are not submitted for your consideration. If He has spoken, we must If God has spoken, we must trust. We trust His Word because we trust Him as righteousness. As He is righteous. Right? We must we trust His Word because we trust Him as being righteous to reveal Himself in His Word. Right? So we must trust. If He has spoken words, we must trust them because they are the truth. Because He is righteous. If He has spoken, we must witness. Declaring what He has spoken. Deuteronomy chapter 30. God has spoken, we must witness. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 11. For this commandment that I command you today is not too hard for you, neither is it far off. It's not too hard for you, neither is it far off. 
Verse 14. But the Word is very near to you. It is in your mouth and in your heart so that you can do it. See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you today by loving the Lord your God, by walking in His ways, by keeping His commandments and His statutes and His rules, then you shall live and multiply. And the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering to take possession of. But if your heart turns away, and you will not hear, but are drawn away to worship other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you shall surely perish. You shall not live long in the land and you that you're going over to Jordan to enter and possess. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life that you and your offspring may live. Loving the Lord your God, obeying His voice, and holding fast to Him. For He is your life and length of days that you may dwell in the land that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob to give them. We must witness. That was what Moses was telling them. You must witness. He summoned heaven and earth to witness against them that they would witness. We must witness. If God has spoken, we must witness. So connect... um, God speaking from the fire to Hebrews chapter 1. So turn over to Hebrews chapter 1. So chapter 1, verse 1. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. So long ago, God started this speaking, right? And He did it many times, and He did it in many ways, He continued this speaking to our fathers by the prophets. But, verse 2, in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed heir of all things, through whom also He created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of His nature, 
And He upholds the universe by the word of His power. After making purifications for sins, He sat down at the right hand of the Majesty on high, having become much superior to the angels as the name He has inherited is more excellent than theirs. In these last days, He has spoken to us by So God spoke many ways, and then He says, hey, I'm going to put the capstone on it, right? I'm going to give you me, myself. I'm going to speak to you through my Son. I am going to talk to you. And the words that I say are all of those things that I said. We must hear. We must listen. We must obey. We must believe we must witness to. The words of Jesus. Jesus is the fulfillment of the Scriptures. He's not done speaking. Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father in heaven. And He goes for me and He goes for you. He intercedes with words to the Father on your behalf. He is not done speaking His words. But that does not mean that there's more words to be added here. right? This book is closed. There are no more words. right? There is, there's a beginning and the end and this is all we get. But boy, is it powerful. Right? It is God revealed. Right? God revealing Himself to mankind is what this book says. Right? We must listen. If God has spoken, everything has changed. Example. Matthew, turn to Matthew 16. As I'm winding this to a conclusion. Matthew chapter 16 and picking up in verse 13. Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, He asked His disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. 
And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on the earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. He didn't need to tell anybody. They didn't need to tell anybody. Where did Peter get the revelation? Jesus says, blessed are you because you didn't hear them from flesh and blood. You didn't hear it from somebody just telling you. You heard it because God spoke to you. You heard it because God, His Father, revealed it to you, Peter. God is a God of revelation. If God is a God of revelation. And we are responsible, right, to know what he is, how he has revealed himself, what he has said about himself, and what that means in our lives. Earlier, I spoke about what is the, what was the response to saying that uh, religious freedom ought to be killed and and uh, put in the ground. Responses don't panic. Because God has revealed Himself, He will continue to reveal Himself. He will continue to minister to each and every one of us as we pour through this Word. And God pours Himself back into us we will then witness. We will then go on. We will have the wherewithal to, irrespective of religious freedom, we will have the charge to take what God has said to a world that desperately needs to know it. That is the goal of this church. Some people are wondering why preaching is more challenging in our cultural moment than it has been in other times. The answer to this question ultimately rests in this fact. We now live, move, and have our being in a secular age. A secular age says there is no God and there is no interaction. And that is the world that we live in. As preachers and even as Christians, we must understand the trends of secularization and advance that only authentic, that the only authentic Christian response to the challenge of secularization, that there is no God, is a faithful and clear and informed expository preaching of the Word. And Aaron says that the application flows from the theology. It's because the theology is 
flowing out through it into us, right? And we must give an answer in our hearts to what God is speaking. Let us close in prayer. I thank you for your word. Thank you that it is you revealed. Lord, you, the Bible is you revealed. Thank you, Lord, that we don't have to guess. What grace, what mercy, Lord, that you have revealed yourself. Lord, that we would know what to do each day, Lord. That we would know you. That we would uh, have your spirit living and breathing in us, Lord. Knowing and to witness and knowing when to uh, sit on our hands, Lord. Knowing that You are leading. Knowing that You are guiding. Knowing that You are the One that knows all and that we know nothing without You letting us know. Thank You for the gift of Your Word, Lord. We pray for Aaron's healing as he prepares to bring it next week, Lord. That our ears would hear it, Lord. That our hearts would be responsive to Your Holy Spirit, Lord that we would go forth to a world that desperately, desperately, desperately needs to know that you have spoken, that you have revealed yourself, and you can be found. That you want to live us to live with you in heaven, Lord. That you are faithfully continuing your words in heaven to our betterment, Lord. That it is for our best. Lord, thank you for who you have revealed yourself to be. In Jesus' name we pray that we would love it. In Jesus' name, amen.